second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky, quarterback, well, North Carolina. Hello. It's going it's to be a perfect fit. I'm very happy to be here in Chicago. Yeah, I really enjoy the coaching staff and my time with them, and I just can't wait to get to work. Bears Hour Live with host Lauren Cox and the draft talk Phil Atoshin. Hello and welcome to Bears Hour Live. I'm Lauren Cox coming to you on a Sunday night here, a little bit of BHL after dark. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, draft doctor Phil Atoshin, and today we're going to really dive into Chicago Bears training camp. We're going to preview all of the top positional battles and really kind of sort of get into the composition of this 53-man roster as it's going to come down to at the end of the preseason. But Phil, Chicago Bears football is right around the corner. The Bears are going to report to training camp midweek this week and get things started off in Bourbon, Illinois. Are you excited for Chicago Bears football to be back? Lauren, I don't know how you can't be excited about Bears football in July. There's an anticipation of what's to come. Every football season brings hope. And every Sunday, as you know, Lauren, any given Sunday, any team can win a football game. Coaching is the prerequisite to wins, I believe. And it's really going to be a testament to this coaching staff, self-scouting, what they're going to do and how they're going to handle the quarterback position. This defense is going to be an improvement. I'm fired up, Lauren, to see it all transpire out on the football field. Everybody's signed. Everybody's coming into camp. It's a new dawn, a new day in Chicago with the quarterbacks coming in. I don't know if you must be living under a rock if you're not ready for Bears football in the next weeks. Well, you're certainly going to see it get intense as they get down there and as we start to see the the sort of the final depth chart start to take place here because obviously on July 23rd when we're broadcasting right now there's a lot of question marks across the roster as far as who's going to be playing how much who's even going to make the team and once they're on the team how is it all going to shake out and you know it's obviously starts at that quarterback position and not that we don't know that Mike Glennon is supposed to be the number one guy but like you mentioned who is Mike Glennon and and is there going to be some overreaction I, I, I get concerned that you remember last year that the Bears played the Broncos week one of the preseason, got shut out 22-0, to zero, and that was sort of the end of the world there. And, you know, it did end up, <laughs> funny enough, the team ended up 3-13, <laughs> and 13, so it it's not usually a predictor, and it, it sort of coincidentally was last year, but you never know what's going to happen when these guys start playing the games. But before they start playing the games, they're going to be at these practices. And I want to see a, a couple position battles in particular that we're going to go over today that... Uh, really, I think, sh- should be the, the focus of training camp. I want to start, Phil, at the wide receiver position because we've talked about it a little bit, so I don't want to get too far in depth here. We talked about how encouraged we are about a guy like Victor Cruz coming in here, a guy you know motivated coming off of a, a down year that might feel like he's in a, a, a more welcome place after he said you know, he thought the Giants sort of held him back last year. Obviously, you add in a Kendall Wright, a, a Marcus Wheaton in free agency. You have Kevin White coming back, Cameron Meredith coming back. You have, of course, your special teamers and your Daniel Braverman and your your undrafted Tanner Gentry, but I'm still struggling to see how this all shakes out because I was double checking and Marcus Wheaton is a guy that played overwhelmingly out of the sna- out of the slot in Pittsburgh. Kendall Wright's a guy that started out more in the slot in Tennessee and then started to do some outside and did some back and forth. And then, of course, Victor Cruz 
was made made a name for himself in the slot, and then he had that big injury. And when he came back last year, he played primarily on the outside, and and the Giants didn't really use him much in the slot. So when when you're getting down to the starting lineup here, I mean, I know you and I both agree that Cameron Meredith is probably your number one receiver for the whole year. I I tweeted out earlier that uh, from week five on, he averaged just over 69 yards a game. And over the course of a 16-game season, that'd be like 1,114 yards. So he was essentially, once he took over the starting job, he was essentially a 1,000-yard receiver for the rest of the year. But I, I get to the rest of this group, and who who starts on the outside opposite him? Because you, know, you would think Wheaton with the money, but he's he's been a slot guy in Pittsburgh, and then... You know, is is Kendall Wright good enough to start on the outside over a you know a Wheaton, or do they start Wheaton on the outside and then move him to the slot, or where does Kevin White fit all in this, Phil? You know, the Bears have shown a real showcase last year in trying to make Kevin White that number two or number one wide receiver. So I don't know that we're not going to see that transpire again. Try to get his confidence up, you know. Sometimes these players have a very you know, uh, shallow ego, we'll call it, because you're looking at a player whose confidence is not very high based on the injury. So how do you get it to rise, Lauren? You start practices and you start showcasing that football player until he ultimately builds confidence in himself and transitions that to the preseason games and so on and so forth. So... I'm guessing that the Chicago Bears are going to trot Kevin White out there as the number two receiver to obviously Cameron Meredith. However, talent-wise, if it was me, you know, looking at this, I think you do follow the money. I think I don't. Marcus Wheaton to me is not a slot receiver. He is a outside guy who runs nine routes deep in. A nice post, skinny post guy who sh- who shows some quickness. He's not a polished receiver at all. And, and Kendall Wright, same thing. He he's very sloppy in his receiving uh, route running, rather, and uh, has a tendency to get out of shape. So how he enters camp, I mean, Kendall Wright has shown real uh, ability to be a big play player. You know, Ruben Randall. For a time period in New York, it was a second-round pick. The same draft Alshon Jeffrey came out of. He has shown a tendency to be that number two kind of solid guy, and then he just absolutely started to lapse out of the playbook and out of the the, uh, graces of Eli Manning because he didn't know his plays, and he really wasn't trying hard. So look at this roster, and it it seemed – when talking about wide receivers, it seems to me there's a focus on the slot position. You know how I feel about Daniel Braverman. I honestly think that he's going to come into camp and given an, an opportunity, I believe he's going to show a lot, a lot of people what this young man is made of. When you pop in the tape of college tape, granted, you know, and when he was given an opportunity, which wasn't, I believe that he's going to, challenge to play and start in the in the slot however i think victor cruz is going to transition out of playing outside and be your starting slot receiver lord so i think it's going to be cameron meredith 
he's going to be your number one receiver with Kevin White to start preseason and Victor Cruz in the slot. He, despite the money given to Wright and Wheaton, I think they're going to rotate them in. We saw what Josh Bellamy had. We saw what Deontay Thompson had. And, and, and what they had is a case of the critical drops. And those are um, – you, you can't get past those. I don't know how they continue to be trotted out there, but they did. And it's well documented by Bears Hour Live that it wasn't okay. It, it really wasn't. So you look at this roster of receivers, the injuries – unfortunately, are going to play into it because Kevin White, Kendall Wright, and Marcus Wheaton all have been injured. Victor Cruz coming off an injury. Uh, filled season for two years he was out, Victor Cruz was, till last season. Where uh, Did he play every game, Lauren? Uh, most, last but season? not quite every. So then Cameron Meredith, as you know, hurt his thumb. So a lot, and, and and Daniel Braverman had a knee injury. So these players have been injured, and really, ultimately, is it going to be a survivor contest, Lauren, where the healthy guys are going to play, or are they going to use that cut down or a possible trade to get a veteran-type football player in here on top of what they have? But right now, I think you got some talent there. I just see... You know, if I was to rank these players, I don't know if you're asking that, but obviously Meredith would be the top. Victor Cruz would be my number two. And then Daniel Braverman would be my number three. Kevin White, if healthy, would be my number three over Braverman, but the guy hasn't been healthy. And then you got White Wright and Wheaton there behind them. That's how I'd rank these guys as far as talent goes and the craft of wide receivers. Yeah, I, you know, I'd completely forgotten, and uh, this is the multiple times I've done this, that uh, Cameron Meredith had that thumb injury and that thumb surgery that he might not be ready to go for training camp. And, in, you know, the more you talk mm -hmm. about it, the more I start to feel like the wide receiver position is going to be sort of a, a game of survivor. It's who can stay healthy the longest because if, you know, if Meredith is banged up to start training camp and he's not ready to go, you're probably putting like White, Cruz, and Wheaton out there to start, and then you kind of just keep your fingers crossed that you can get 16 games out of any of those three and, and hope that Cameron Meredith is 100% once he comes back from the thumb injury. But it seems like with the Chicago Bears, once the injuries start this time of year, chances are he's not going to come back and be 100% for the whole length of the season. It just kind of seems like with the way their injuries go, I mean, when was the last time you could think of a Bears player that gets hurt in June, July, or August and then is able to play a full 16-game season? It just doesn't really seem to quite happen. I mean, even last year, <laughs> Kyle Long got banged up a little bit and he couldn't finish out the year. Even though they're separate injuries, it's still, he's you know, you're not getting that same sort of buildup of durability over the course of the year of being able to be in perfect shape from at all times and being you know, having months of running and training underneath you that your muscles are all backed, used to contact and used to football for long enough to really be durable for the course of the year. And the same thing kind of goes at the tight end position, too, with a guy like Zach Miller, who's still hurt. He's still, I, I don't remember who it was. I think it was ESPN's Jeff Dickerson or somebody was saying that he might not even be ready for training camp to start. And if that's the case, you're going to see a lot of Sims and Shaheen and then, you know, it brings up the question again of if Zach Miller's on his last leg literally here in Chicago. It just seems like 
they've invested so much in replacing him, not only at the tight end position, but in the slot where he played a lot of snaps last year. I want to say something close to 50% of his actual snaps were out of the slot. And, you know, I think it was 47, 47%. 45% of his, his routes were run out of the slot. So, I mean, he was much, well, he was equally a slot receiver as he was a tight end last year. So the fact that the Bears go out and add Cruz, right, Cruz, White, Cruz, Wright, and Wheaton, excuse me, as all guys that have historically been dominant in the slot, and then they go out and add Sims and Shaheen, and they bring back some impressive tight ends too. A lot of writing on the wall there for Zach Miller, who who seemed to laugh off the notion that he could be in trouble earlier this offseason. Yeah, I mean, you make a great point. He's definitely someone who, when healthy, <laughs> is this like a, a running theme in the Ryan Pace era? When healthy, Pernell McPhee is a great football player. When healthy, Danny Trevathan is a great football player. When healthy, Zach Miller... Is a great football player and a great weapon at the tight end position. Unfortunately for Bear fans, you saw glimpses of that. But God created Zach Miller to play that position and play it well. Unfortunately, brittle bones don't make the roster. And I totally agree. If the writing, if anything, the foundation of what it is they're doing between McCole Pruitt, um, Daniel Brown coming back. Um, ben Broniker, who showed some signs, some baby steps in growing his career in the NFL. Big big uh, football player, very athletic for his size, and, and poly, you know, trying to work on his polish as a blocker. He's someone on the roster that could be pushing Zach Miller off of it because, obviously, Deion Sims... They've spent a lot of money to bring him in here. He's going to be your starting tight end. He's going to be that interior guy. He's going to bring his lunch pail to work, and he's going to do what is you know asked of him and what Dowell Loggins wants of a tight end position. I mean, I know you went hard and heavy at Logan Paulson's agent in trying to facilitate that Logan was something that he wasn't. You were able to. He went bring hard at me. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. You didn't back down from the truth. The tape didn't lie. Logan Paulson was a detriment to the Bears' offense, and, and clearly, the 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 coaching staff as well as the scouting staff was doing their homework because you saw the emphasis on bringing Adam Shaheen in the second round and really in the first round of free agency signing. A guy that people at home don't think very highly of, but people in the Big Ten who saw Michigan State play, saw the athleticism, saw the opportunities there that this young man had, I believe he's going to sneak up on a few people and be a consistent uh, force in that intermediate throwing area the one that you are going to see a lot of Mike Glennon doing, as well as young Mitchell Trubisky, the tight end being their best friend. And then you have a a giant size mismatch. And we talked about Adam Shaheen all throughout the draft uh, after they picked them, breaking him down. I know you weren't as high as, him as I am. I just think that this football player's size and speed uh, quotient 
to the football arena, especially in short down and distance, he can get over the top of a linebacker when you have a great ground game. I think that kind of weapon as a wing, an emotion athletic tight end, is going to be something that the Bears have been lacking since Greg Olson has been here. So that kind of athleticism to beat and separate, to use his ability in his size to gain positioning in the red zone is going to be helpful. But really short down in distance, he becomes a weapon that the Bears haven't been able to have since Greg Olson, Lauren. I'm high on this tight end room. I think it's the uh, best, most unheralded position group on the whole roster. I think teams around the league are going to be watching the Bears tight end situation because of what you said in Zach Miller. If he can get healthy and showcase himself in the preseason, he could become a trade piece, and that would be a good thing for the Chicago Bears because I think there's a lot of young talent on the roster. And I wanted to ask you, you know, I know we jumped away from the wide receiver position, so I want to be able to go back there for a second. But in this question, you know, they have two fullbacks on the roster. You know, they got the kid from Florida State, Solomon, and they also have a – Stevenson, thank you. And they have the big fullback from the Detroit Lions. Um, What was his name, Lauren? Thank you, Burton. You know, how does Michael Pruitt fit into this? Does he now become a part of the fullback, H-back routine that you so are, are seeing? Because most teams aren't carrying fullbacks. The Bears... And a few other teams around the league are. Do you see Michael Pruitt in that position? I I don't. I, I see. I mean, I see Michael Burton being their fullback and sort of taking the Paul Lasique snaps this year, where he's randomly in there for twelve to five snaps a game and doesn't really. <laughs> you're not quite sure he is worth a roster spot, but the Bears keep giving him one for some reason and I do think Michael Burton is one of the higher quality fullbacks in the league in my opinion and not that he's going to be a a game changer for the offense per se but I do think he will be a little bit more consistent as a blocker than a guy like um, uh, Paul Asike was last year I was just glancing at uh, uh, Michael Pruitt's snaps from last year he only played 18 snaps on offense and looks like eight of them were at fullback and then one of them he was in the shotgun next to the quarterback. So I guess you'd call that a fullback too. So he's about even split as a tight end and a backfield player in those, you know, 18 snaps in two games, which doesn't, isn't a very high, uh, 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 not a, what is, what's the word? Not a high, um, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm completely at a loss for words. Not a high decibel um, of, uh, sample size. That's the word. I'm not, not a high sample size, but, uh, they, they, were you at the like golden corral role. earlier today? Huh? Were you at the Golden Corral earlier today? <laughs> I wish. You can a couple sample sizes. They should. They should. Uh, they should sponsor our show, please. <laughs> I want to ask you this: Moving on from the fullback position, when you look at that wide receiver position, Lauren, give me one guy you think is going to jump out in camp. The one guy you think is coming from the low ranks. That is going to surprise, and one guy out of all of them that you think is going to be end up being the surprise. You know, I really don't have a good feel 
for what a guy like Kendall Wright's going to offer. I mean, when you first said it, the guy that jumped in my head was Ruben Randall. You talked about him a little bit earlier, but you know he he completely was he, he was on the Giants in 2015, had a nice year, and then in 2016 he sounded like what I was reading. He came to training camp and was like acting very entitled and had kind of played as though he assumed he had a job and then got cut and then didn't make another roster. He kind of got a little bit blacklisted from the rest of the league and made it through the whole year. The Bears ended up signing him to one of those, you know, reserve future contracts in like December or whatever to try and, you know, bring him back because he was a guy that had produced some for the Giants. I mean, he wasn't a a thousand yard guy, but he actually came a little bit closer Mm -hmm. than you might think. Uh, He had 797 in 2015 and 938 in 2014 he had eight touchdowns in 2015 also so he's he's a guy that can or has been a a starting quality wide receiver it's just a matter of whether that whole year away from football humbled him and you know re-motivated him to come to Chicago and say you know what I want to I want to be a starting wide receiver again because if if that's the case I mean he could be your starter opposite Cameron Meredith come week 1. I mean, I'm not going to bet money on that. I'm not going to mm-hmm. I'm not going to predict that it's going to happen, but it's a possibility that hasn't really been discussed. I mean, you've seen, you know, like a lot of the, you know, the mainstream media, you know, they've talked to Marcus Wheaton and Victor Cruz and Kendall Wright and, you know, how Kendall Wright wants to prove the Titans wrong and Victor Cruz wants to get his career back on track, but Ruben Randall hasn't really gotten any attention. He's still only 26 years old, 6'2", 210 pounds. You know, he's he's big. He is obviously a productive receiver who has a lot of starting experience under his belt, and that can be pretty valuable. And, he, and injuries weren't an issue either. He's never missed a game in his career before last year when he just wasn't on a roster. But as far as injuries go, he's probably the most durable player on the Bears right now, or the most durable wide receiver on the Bears right now, which – isn't saying much, but at the same time, he is a guy that I, I do think keeps getting overlooked, and he's either going to completely flame out and this will be his last team in the NFL, or he might turn this into something. Yeah, that's a, honestly a great, great point by you. I, it's He's going to be interesting to watch what Reuben Randall comes to Bears camp. You know, I know we have a lot of followers and, and loyal listeners, you know, I want you guys to put that in your memory bank, in your back pocket. Ruben Randall, somebody who can rise from the ashes. You know, when you're backed into a corner, what kind of fighter are you? What kind of person are you? This is your last shot. I believe you're 100% right, Lauren. How did he attack the offseason conditioning? How is he going to attack his opportunity to get on the field? Because when camp jumps, I don't believe... Uh, Ruben Randall is going to be the top of the depth chart. However, just like you said, injuries have been a, a clear uh, history going back a long way at the wide receiver position. Owies and the whole nine. Ruben Randall can come in here and surprise a few people and really get his career back. Yeah, and I, I see a lot of the same kind of thing happening at the position opposite the receivers, the cornerback spot. You know, as as much as Prince of Mukamara and Marcus Cooper are coming in here sort of under the assumption that they have the starting job, I'm not quite ready to hand—I mean, not that, not that they're necessarily assuming it, but sort of from the outside perspective, it's like, oh, well, those are the two free agents. They're both starting quality corners, and they've started a lot of games this league, so therefore they are the Bears' starting cornerbacks, and they are going to start— training camp as the number one guys but I'm not ready to hand the either starting job over to either of those two guys yet 
some of that has to do with the owies and the injuries and both of those guys having a history of getting a little banged up and you never know what could happen there that could easily open up a spot but even if they do stay healthy I still feel like a guy like Cravan LeBlanc he's under I mean he he and Bryce Callahan both played extremely well in the slot but I I still think a guy like Cravan LeBlanc could contribute as an outside cornerback on this team not that it's the ideal position for him. I mean, he's still only just under five foot ten, one ninety two, and I know that you know you get caught up in the you want a smaller slot corner and bigger guys on the outside in the Fangio scheme. But at the at the end of the day, you have to get your best cornerbacks on the field. And if Bryce Callahan stays healthy and Cravon LeBlanc is healthy, those two last year were your best cornerbacks, and they might be right up there with a Marcus Cooper and a Prince Amukamara as your best cornerbacks right now. And if I'm the Bears, I'm trying to find a way. That maybe maybe Cravan LeBlanc and Amukamara start on the outside in base defense, and then you get into nickel, and LeBlanc kicks inside, and then then a Cooper comes in or something like that, where he's he still plays the slot when there is a slot, but but if if he just comes out and continues to build off of what he does last year, it would almost be a shame to not let him be on the field on every snap as your number one or number two playing cornerback in terms of number of snaps played just because those two young men were extremely impressive for guys with as little experience as they had lauren i mean i'm gonna do something i never do and i'm gonna tweet out a little surprise for l cox as we're going a little film room for those of you following in and listening on a little cravon leblanc playing the outside corner versus Detroit and my man Golden Tate just showing the skills and the traits that this young man has, Lauren. I couldn't agree with you more. He's the wild card of this defensive secondary in my mind. He was going to be my choice out of all the defensive backs. Who's the one guy you think is going to surprise everyone? I know we've been talking about this a lot on Bears Hour Live. Uh, Cravon LeBlanc is a guy that I believe is uh, primed and ready to start on the defense. It could be the slot, as we know. I think you made a great point. It would be a shame to pull him off the football field. But he also could be, you know, outside, as Lauren's saying. He could come into game because this guy doesn't lack confidence. As a coach, you want a guy that's on an island that's going to be not afraid to come up and make a tackle but also be in positions to attack the football. And, and you saw Cravon LeBlanc do that time and time again, even on a bobble when a receiver's in an open position. You know, people forget it's one of the most difficult positions to play in sports is that to have the athleticism and timing to anticipate that ball coming in to reach its target and, and being able to swipe in there and knock balls away. I thought Cravon LeBlanc was a tremendous find. I know several New England Patriot people in my backyard, as well as some that actually work for the football team, that were so disappointed that they had to let that football player go. Not that it stopped them from getting to their goal, Lauren. That's how well-coached they are and how much talent they have in their secondary. But Cravon LeBlanc was someone they really wanted to keep. And he, as you could see, and as Lauren's talking about, he's somebody I believe, I'm going to back you up 100%. I'm going to tweet this out. So I'm talking and typing. It's not as bad as driving, right, Lauren? <laughs> 
and, um, and the other the other guy that keeps getting thrown out there as sort of the seen as the X factor, kind of like you described with LeBlanc, the wild card, is Kyle Fuller. But mm. I just I find so few reasons to get excited about Kyle Fuller coming back in this defense. I mean, kind of like Kevin White, where the last thing this guy needed was a year off. You know, <laughs> I mean, obviously no one ever needs an injury, and no one ever really wants a year off in the same in, in that sort of sense, especially a few years into their career. I mean, Mitch Trubisky might be an exception there, but a guy like Kyle Fuller has yet to show that he is a very good scheme fit in the Bears' defense with Vic Fangio. Like you talked about, a guy like Marcus Cooper who struggled uh, sometimes in Arizona and is coming to a team now that seems to fit better what his skill set provides, and he's not a guy that is as good of a zone corner, but when he's able to match up man-to-man and really just stay in a a wide receiver's hip pocket, he can do a really good job of mirroring receivers and staying in to be able to contest catches. But Kyle Fuller is a guy who needs to have his eyes on the quarterback, who needs to be able to see ball and get ball as his own corner, and he struggled the most in his career when he's in man-to-man coverage and has to try and both cover the receiver and react to the ball without being able to see the ball or the quarterback. And I just, it's hard for me to sit here and be like, yeah, I think Kyle Fuller's going to get it together. I mean, I'm not even certain he's 100% healthy. I mean, that's sort of been a little bit under the radar there that he hasn't gotten talked about a whole lot. I mean, obviously because there's so many other players and storylines at the cornerback position, but still he's a guy that, you know, there's not this big Kyle Fuller comeback story being this narrative being put out there. You know, it seems like a lot of times, you know, as much as the reporters write the stories, the Bears also sort of provide the stories for the reporters to write about. You know, the, the whole Mike Glenn and Mitch Trubisky, the Bears give them access to those players and sort of drive. Have, they have some control over the drive of the storylines. I'm trying to think of like last off season. There was a lot of Kevin White access and sort of mm-hmm. him coming back from his injury, and they're doing that again this year. And you have guys like. You know, a lot, a lot of Kyle Long and sort of the rebuild of this offensive line and a young guy, Cody Whitehair, coming in there and Bobby Massey. There was sort of this push for a lot of offensive line stories about how they were going to be a, a better unit, and they were. And, you know, there's sort of this push that the Bears sort of, I mean, not that they direct writers to write certain stories, and, and certainly some, not as many in the Chicago market, but some journalists are good at finding the other stories that maybe the team doesn't want as big of a deal out. But you'd think if, there, if the team was really warm and fuzzy about Kyle Fuller, that you would have heard a little bit more about Kyle Fuller because maybe they would have pushed him out there a little bit more and said, hey, remember our first-round cornerback that had some interceptions as a rookie and was a playmaker and can do some things that we didn't have in the secondary last year? Here he is. He's back. He's healthy, and we're we're expecting big things from Kyle Fuller. It, but it was very much, you know, Mukamara and, and Cooper and these young slot cornerbacks and our new safety. Look at our new safety. And then Kyle Fuller continues to sort of fly under the radar. And to me, that's... Not not that that's a I don't want to I don't want to call that a, a, a valid reason for why he might not make the team, but it's just something that has been kind of weighing on my mind a little bit. That he is you know you know, you didn't hear anything from the coaches very much about him or any really much attention to Kyle Fuller much at all. Do you think there's like a, a burden on Fuller because he was a Phil Emery pick? He he had that first round label here. I know Emery talked about. You know, I scouted that football player as a safety that could play corner. He came to Chicago as a corner that could possibly play safety. It seems to me, uh, and you tell me, but for me, obviously, I've been ringing that bell for a long time about moving him to free safety and having him be able to see the quarterback where you would 
use his skills best. Uh, I don't understand the pushback from Donatel and especially Vic Fangio. I think there is some sort of, there is something where there's smoke, there's fire to what it is you're saying. I think the lack of um, promoting this football player's comeback to the football field, I think him not going out there and giving it a, a go last year didn't sit well with the coaching staff. And I also think that there's some sort of disconnect between him and Fangio when Fangio's talking about him. I, I thought of rookie year, um, Kyle Fuller was very accessible and you had access to him. I, you haven't even heard the guy. You haven't heard his name. You haven't heard anyone talk about him. So I think you're on to something there. But I just wanted to, to think to you, to ask you the quietness and everything surrounding it. But do you think there is a burden that he's on the roster? Like they are looking forward to getting rid of this football player. Yeah, I've been getting that impression, uh, just like you have, that you know, not only is it something where you know the defensive coaching staff probably wasn't happy with how his last season went down, but I also feel like Ryan Pace kind of has this, you know, he wants his guys, and even though like, you know, he Kyle Fuller is a talented player, and he only inherited him after one year. It wasn't as though like he Fuller was you know a, a mainstay here that he's had to get rid of, but. I wonder if if that just does you know if Ryan Pace just says you know what I want my corners on this team I want you know I get a Mukamara and Cooper you know like he was willing to go with Fuller last year because he's still part of this rebuild plan you know it was going to be Fuller and Porter and you know you, they was really clearly they weren't really interested in rehaul or overhauling the uh, the cornerback position last year or really trying to upgrade it too much from the previous regime I mean it was kind of just Porter and Fuller and Callahan and. <laughs> And they added DeAndre Hall, but he wasn't ready to go week one. So, you know, there, there clearly wasn't this push to have a, an improved cornerback position, even from the year before. They were sort of content that Ryan Pace, I think, it goes into every offseason saying, I want to upgrade these these positions, and I know I can't do every position every year. So cornerback kind of got left off last year, and now he's able to kind of get to that and do his guys here. And I think you're seeing the same thing at the running back position now. And I, I really... As much as I like Kadeem Carey as a football player and a talent, I do think he's probably your third best running back on the roster right now. I just feel like when, when Ryan Pace makes it, sends the message of signing Benny Cunningham before the draft and then taking Tariq Cohen, to me that says I'm, you know, I'm finally investing more in the running back position. Because, I mean, last year he didn't take Jordan Howard in the fifth round thinking he would be a 1,300-yard running back. It was sort of just another guy to be with Langford and Carey, and it was going to be part of a rotation just for more depth there. That wasn't... He didn't draft Jordan Howard as a as a pivotal rebuild to the running back position, but I think this year, now that he has his starter in place, he gets Cunningham and Cohen because that's part of his push to get his guys at the position. Same thing at tight end with Zach Miller. I mean, he did end up re-signing Zach Miller to another contract and put his you know his mar- his mark on that contract, but he he never was really able to fix the tight end position until this year. He goes out and gets his free agent and his draft pick, and that means the previous guy is gone. And I think we're going to see the same thing at corner, same thing at running back, and I wonder if. In the near future, we're going to see something happen with Charles Leno, too, just because he's he's one of the last Phil Emery players. I think Kyle Long is going to be the only Phil Emery player that really has a future here in Chicago. I just wonder if Charles Leno starts 16 games, the Bears are going to get in this Alshon Jeffrey you know, sort of debate with him about how much money uh, a mid-level left tackle is going to be worth. And Ryan Pace might just opt to get his own left tackle in there in the future. So we'll see how this goes down. But the writing's on the wall for a lot of those lingering Phil Emery players. 
Yeah, two Phil Emery players, I believe, got an extension. That would be Willie Young and Kyle Long, as you said. So when you look at the running back position, Lauren, since you jumped into that, I know I don't know if you have anything else you want to talk about at the corner. I mean, I think you know, you did a very good job handling the cornerback position. Kyle Fuller being that wild card. Um, do you think before we move on to running back, do you think DeAndre Hall is a safety right now? That's the coaching mindset. I think they're planning on going into the year with DeAndre Hall as sort of the the Chandler or not Chandler, the Christian Jones of the secondary, where he's basically the <laughs> bottom guy on the depth chart at at either position where. Jones can play outside or inside linebacker, and they've sort of repeatedly moved him in between both of them as sort of a disservice to that player just because that versatility is valuable. I think that's the role for DeAndre Hall where he'll be sort of the fifth safety slash sixth cornerback, you know, so he kind of is two birds with one stone, can do depth at either position, but isn't really going to be in line to start at either position. Very good stuff. Jump to the running back, so you kind of undid a couple buttons on the shirt there when it comes to the running back position. Obviously, Jordan Howard, you're starting running back. Then you got Langford, Carey, Cunningham, Cohen, and the young kid, I can't remember his name from Northwestern. Uh, obviously. Joel B. Baugnon, B-O-U-A-G-N-O-N. I'm not, I'm not going to Baugnon. I don't know. So Northwestern you, listeners are, are furious right now. Sorry, Dr. Wood. Uh, we're not yeah, up there you on go. The Joel Bogdanana. Um, so you look at that, you, you kind of are leaning towards uh, Benny Cunningham, you know, because I believe your number two back on this roster is going to be Tariq Cohen. You know how I feel about Kadeem Carey. I think the heart of a champion's going to ruin supreme you might call it my bias whatever i think kadeem's going to be your number three back so in that case cunningham and jeremy langford in my depth chart are battling for a roster position and benny cunningham would win because of his special teams ability so do you see a scenario other than mine do you feel like Langford's going to make this roster? Not particularly at this point. I mean, not that he doesn't stand a chance, but he's just, I mean, I, I know I don't want to like overstate how bad he was, but I think he got overrated as a rookie. And then so people kind of carry that into last year and then he got hurt. So it's sort of like, well, let's see the guy that he was as a rookie. But even as a rookie, I think he got a little bit overrated. I don't think he did a lot as far as beyond the point of what his blockers were able to do to help him. He wasn't a guy that is a plus difference maker as a runner. He was able to catch some balls out of the backfield and even motion out to wide receiver. And I think, I was it on another, was it on Bears Hour Live or was it just one of our own conversations, Phil, where I talked about if I'm the Bears, I put Jeremy Langford with the wide receivers and just let him compete there. That was Bears, Bears Hour Live, sir. He, he played wide receiver at Michigan State, and he, I, I don't think he's got, I, don't, I think he, as a purely a runner, he's probably the fifth best running back on this team, and he didn't play special teams last year before his injury. He did a little bit as a rookie, but he's got to obviously compete there. And I would, I would say at this point, Benny Cunningham is the best special teams guy, followed by Carey. 
I don't think Cohen's going to offer you much on special teams, at least outside of a return possibilities. But I don't know quite where he fits into the competition there because they have so many bodies. So, like, to me, the only thing Langford offers you more of is as a receiver. But I don't know if, if that is much more than what Cohen can give you or much more than what Cunningham can give you at this point, at least as a running back out of the backfield. I just I struggle to tell you what Jeremy Langford does better than anyone else. It's just not something that is all that encouraging for his future. I agree that Kadeem Carey, I think, is going to make it a very difficult decision to cut him. And especially people forget against the Green Bay in the Green Bay game on Thursday Night Football last year, it was the first Matt Barkley game. Kadeem Carey was the starter, and he ran pretty darn well. For some reason, they didn't want to start Jordan Howard in that game. It was one of the first games after Langford got hurt. I mean, he, he, Kadeem Carey has shown blocking, running, catching, and special teams ability, and that's sort of, you know, that, that's literally everything. But at the end of the day, I think this is going to go Howard, Cohen, Cunningham, and then maybe they keep four to try and keep Langford on because Ryan Pace is stubborn and wants to keep his draft pick. But it's hard for me to to predict Ryan Pace is going to keep Kadeem Carey, even though if I'm if I'm in charge, I am going to keep Kadeem Carey. I'm going to find a spot for him on my football team. But as far as what the Bears are going to do, it's hard for me to squeeze him in on the roster. So this is very interesting, guys, because you don't get this nationally. So no one's talking about the bottom half of the Bears running back position. But I think it's something to continue on with, Lauren, because I think you made a great point that I want to make sure we emphasize in the preseason when we're watching preseason football and we're analyzing talent. You know, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said a lot of Jeremy Langford's runs, any big plays tended to come from excellent teamwork and togetherness by the offensive line, as well as his tight ends and downfield blocking. When you look at it and assess it next to a Jordan Howard, who's creating and physically making holes with instincts as well as physicality, it's very easy to see the difference between the two players. And, and when you talk about Kadeem Carey, I think the injury bug has hindered him. But you look at a football player who's creating and anticipating and has instincts where Langford doesn't. So I hope for Chicago Bears' sake, may the best man win those backup spots because – Let's face it, it's one of the positions that gets banged up regularly. And depth there can be the deciding factor in game plans and how you're going to attack opposing defenses as well as how well or how poor your quarterback's going to play because of the transition to a new quarterback. That running game better be on point and your backup running backs better be ready to tote the rock. You know, we saw rests and series given to Jeremy Langford where the ball just completely couldn't move because he couldn't do what Howard did. And you pointed out something that I really was going to talk about tonight is crazy because I was doing the Cody Whitehair stuff and Kadeem Carey was jumping in the game against the Green Bay Packers. And you just saw the physicality and the instincts and the intuition to run the football. So I want to see what Benny Cunningham does. I believe Tara Cohen is somebody special that's going to really excite this 
fan base, but I just don't see a place for Jeremy Langford, Lauren. Just I don't at all. And if it's going to be politics, then Ryan Pace is going to be not long for this job because hopefully you're going to keep the best players and ultimately help this football team win games in the coming years. And you talk about the politics and guys, you know, perhaps getting more opportunities than they should. I was looking back at when you mentioned at the beginning or earlier in the show how the you know the Bears trotted Kevin White out there in their Week One starting lineup. I mean, they had their starting lineup was uh, Kevin White, now Sean Jeffrey, and they actually had Logan Paulson on the field for the first snap. I mean, Zach Miller played more snaps, but technically the. Do starter, you remember what the f- first snap was? Uh, it was bad. It wasn't it a aborted snap? Like it was a botched. No, it was a sack. <laughs> they let someone, a safety, come clean off the backside. Wasn't it a sack? Wait, I'm thinking. I don't remember. I'm thinking of the Philadelphia Eagles game. Uh, I was I'm sorry. Too, getting ahead it was of me. Houston. I was I'm a little ahead of you. I was thinking of the first play against Houston. Logan Paulson steps down. <laughs> when clearly the offensive tackle has a head up five technique on him and he's solid blocking that Logan Paulson steps down to simulate a pass because it was an action I mean a run and then totally forgets to step back outside knowing that there's a sixth guy on the line of scrimmage and and he comes clean I think it was old man from the Eagles the safety there and completely clean Cutler's head (laughs) right on like the six yard line that was just start of your Monday night football appearance. Yeah, but it, and also in there too. I mean, Jeremy Langford and Kevin White started in that first game of the year, and it was pretty clear that neither one of those guys was fit to be the starter in that first game. Cameron true, Meredith didn't true. play. Jordan Howard didn't play. I mean, the Bears had to be literally injured into finding their two best offensive weapons for next year in Howard and Cameron Meredith. So I mean, who's going to start this year? And who's really going to be their best offensive players on the roster this year? Because those, at least last year, those weren't the same thing. And I'm, I, you know, obviously, you, you at least have those two now figured out. But you wonder about tight end. That you know, maybe Deion Sims starts, but isn't your best? Maybe Adam Shaheen is somehow your best tight end already in week. I mean, you, you're a big fan of him, and I, I see it too. But I think it's going to be more long term with him. But you never know that. Maybe it takes a few weeks, and then all of a sudden, why wasn't Adam Shaheen starting week one? Or maybe. Maybe a guy like, I don't know, like Ruben Randall somehow makes the 53-man roster, and then week five he finally sees his first action and takes over like Cameron Meredith did last year. Why wasn't Ruben Randall starting week one? I just, I'm concerned that you get into too much of this politics that, well, Jerry Lankford is the starter from last year, so he's going to be our starter this year. He, he played behind Matt Forte. He, he took his lumps, and now he's ready to be your starter, even though he's not the best player. And now he's going to be on the roster because I drafted him, even though he's not necessarily better than another running back on the team. And Kevin White's going to be your week one starter at wide receiver, even if Victor Cruz is playing better than him. How is he going to take that after feeling like New York held him back last year? Is Victor Cruz going to sit by while Kevin White, if Kevin White isn't as good as Victor Cruz is, but is still getting the starts? Are we going to hear? Are we going to see a silent Victor Cruz? I, I don't know. There's just some there's some some riskiness there and some uneasiness for me with the way that this team has handled these skill positions in the past. That's a really great point, Lauren. Honestly, you know, you saw with Brandon Marshall, he kind of demonstratively 
stated that he was going to be on the football field and needed the football. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. That's what you want. But, you know, this locker room, this coach has weeded out any malcontent, any kind of distractions to the team have gone out and been either let go in the offseason or immediately let go. So, you know, what kind of politics are going to ruin the day here? Can we, as fans, as people that analyze this, expect the best players to play? If it's Tanner Gentry and he's in camp dominating, then he needs to get an opportunity with the ones. You have to start building young talent here, especially at the skill positions. Every time it seems you build someone, you let them leave. So Alshon Jeffrey goes, Greg Olson goes. I hate to drum up all this stuff. And then the Bears are back to square one trying to find talent to actually move the football. So here's a kid in Cameron Meredith that was undrafted free agent. As Lauren pointed out, it only took me literally 10 minutes of camp down in New England to recognize this kid's maybe your best or second best receiver on the roster. It didn't, it wasn't hard for me. It was that obvious. So to it not, for it not to be rather that obviously to the coaching staff, at what point do you hinder your roster to say, I need to get Kevin White snaps when you fully know that Victor Cruz is the better player and is going to give you the better opportunity to win. That kind of crap has happened too much with Bears coaches from Lovey Smith to uh, Mark Tressman getting bullied and now with John Fox and Dowell Loggins deciding, uh, you know, it was better to keep Deontay Thompson and Josh Bellamy out there to see what you had in Daniel Braverman and company last season because it was clear to me Braverman was one of the best four receivers on the roster last year that wasn't given an opportunity. So you could say whatever it is you want, but I really work on the craft and I love the wide receiver position. And I, I just think that politics is, if it's going to rule the day again, the bears are going to have a new staff, Lauren. It's just, there's no way around it. If Gentry goes in there, He's my surprise. He's the guy. You had Randall. I want to see what Tanner Gentry is going to do when the pads are on and NFL defenders are going against him. Is he the Tanner Gentry that has the craft of the wide receiver route running ability? Or is he the Tanner Gentry that's going to be overwhelmed by the big city and the big lights? Tanner Gentry is going to answer that question. And if he does step up and stand out, in preseason games where it matters and practices um, are the bears going to hinder that for a Kevin White's ego? And that's the question. Well, and I was thinking too, like the, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird mix of sort of these, the politics. Cause it's not, it's not necessary. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't quite follow the same theme all the time. Like sometimes it's my young player, needs the playing time over everyone else like with Kevin White or Jeremy Langford but then sometimes 
it's it's more like my my veteran player needs the playing time over my young player. When, when you know a guy like Jonathan Bullard isn't getting a lot of snaps, although he might not have necessarily deserved it. He wasn't dominating the field by any means. And even at the cornerback position, it took a long time for DeAndre Hall to see the field and it took a long time for Deion Bush to see the field, although you and I both agreed that we didn't think Jones Corte or Amos was quite at benchable level just yet. But it's still, when it's a later round draft pick, like Jordan Howard too, there, there isn't this push to put them on the field. But when they're, an, when they're a high draft pick or, or a, uh, a mm-hmm. free agent investment, then that's when you're going to see the guy really put out there. And that's why I think you're going to see a Marcus Wheaton in the starting lineup, even if he's not better than Kendall Wright or Victor Cruz. It seems like you, it's too easy to – like it shouldn't be this easy to predict that, yo, yeah, this guy is going to start because Ryan Pace signed him. Like Deion Sims is going to be your starting tight end, even if Zach Miller is healthy and playing better. Deion Sims will be your number one tight end. And that's not that's not right. Same thing with Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon is your starting quarterback already. Even if Mitch Trubisky goes into camp and lights it up every day, and Mike Glennon throws interceptions, <laughs> I mean, it's gonna it would take a lot for that Lauren, to change. Isn't that sad? Like I've said this before. Instead of using the team of my backyard in New England, let's use the Seattle Seahawks. They've been to Super Bowls. They're relevant. They're talented. They're bullies. They're 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 starting undrafted free agent guards, corners, wide receivers. They uh, are playing the best players. That was five foot ten. Uh, exactly. They don't care. So the goal, Ryan Pace, and I'm getting fired up just thinking about this a week before camp, is to get the best form of competition to root out who's going to be and give the Bears an opportunity to win football games. If you're doing it any other way to save face and to just go about your business of being a bottom feeder, then you got issues and you got the wrong GM. Because I know for a fact that Chris Ballard would not all right, you got to start my guy. I just know that guy wouldn't do that. So Ryan Pace either needs to get in the face of the coaches, and, and maybe he did this offseason. He clearly went out of his way to make sure a quarterback was the position, despite maybe a arguable other needs aside from me and you saying no. But this cannot be tolerated by the fan base. I'm asking all the truth seekers that listen in to not allow this crap to happen, to recognize talent, to watch me and Lauren's film analysis on the YouTube channel coming up this season, where we're going to uncover, take the curtain away from who deserves more talent. Lauren's going to be reporting live from Bears training camp. We'll go live and talk about who stood out in all honesty. You can't hide from the tape. There's nowhere to go. Okay? So when I say Cody Whitehair was the Bears' best offensive lineman last year, it's there on tape. This football player is special. When I look at Cravon LeBlanc, it's on the tape for me. I know he's going to take another step. This kid is a special football player. Jordan Howard... Cam Meredith, 
when you start looking at Jarrell Freeman, uh, a healthy Pernell McPhee, is Leonard Floyd going to take that next step, Lauren? PFF is ranking these guys based on their tape evaluation and their scoring system and their equations and what have you. I'm basing it on my tape evaluations. And it just so happens to coincide with what they're saying and what Lauren's saying. That there is hope for the Chicago Bears team because there is talent in places that is are most important. You know, the question marks are at the most important position of quarterback, but that interior of the offensive line, the running back, the wide receiver and Cam Meredith, the defensive front seven, and maybe and the best inside backer in football, in my opinion, in Jarrell Freeman. You have pieces to a puzzle. Can they put it together? That's the exciting thing about football. That is the exciting thing about training camp. All those things are going to be answered in the coming weeks, and we're going to deliver. Wow. What a way to end the show, Phil. I don't know. I don't think I can. I don't think we can follow anything else up after that. I think. I think we just have to end on that note. What a way to be fired up for Chicago Bears football in late July. Season is a month away. There's talent on this team, and you know what? We're going to see how it all plays out, and we hope that you'll join us along the way. Feel free to subscribe on iTunes. Leave us that five star review. Of course, uh, you know, tune in live to our live shows every Sunday. I mentioned we'll be doing some live training camp updates next Sunday. But, of course, if you can't catch that, it's always on iTunes, on Google Play. Uh, tune in all of your podcast listening services. We're on Twitter. He is at FullPhilO. I am at Cox Sports one and, of course, at Bears Hour Live. And we're, we've got our YouTube channel with all of our film room breakdowns on it of YouTube.com slash C slash Bears Hour Live. So, man, with that, if you're not fired up for Chicago Bears football, I think you're listening to the wrong podcast. But with that, that'll have to do it for this episode of Bears Hour Live. Bears Hour Live. Thanks for trying to do it. Try to do it. Of course. <laughs>